me, success isn't just about, you know, things that you achieve, such as medals or cups or games and tournaments. I think success for me is knowing that I've enjoyed every step of the way. I've enjoyed the process and I've enjoyed the people around me, but also the person that I've become grown and developed into. Welcome back. My guest this week is New Zealand Rugby Sevens International, Tyler Nathan Wong. During the course of her career so far, she has won two World Cups, six World Series titles, a Commonwealth Games gold medal, an Olympic silver medal, and most recently in Tokyo, an Olympic gold medal. This is a really insightful conversation on what it takes to be successful as an individual, but also how to create a world-class team environment. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm really excited. You're fresh out of the Olympics, gold medal. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Um, it was, we came home and uh, ended up going into isolation for you know a couple of weeks, and then once we got out, we thought we thought we were free, but went straight into a nationwide lockdown. So I haven't been able to see my family and like celebrate with them or anything yet. But I'm glad to be home and with my partner. So that's that's better than nothing. <laughs> What was that like then? You win gold medal. You obviously want to celebrate with your family and friends. You have to go straight into a lockdown. What's the experience been like? Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Like, you know, after any big event, usually you'd celebrate. But even like that night after winning the gold, you know, we ended up just heading straight back to the village, packing our bags because we were out of there the next day on a flight and then made our way back to New Zealand. And yeah, straight into um, MIQ is what we call it here, um, two-week isolation. And then, yeah, that was very, very different, you know, like just being by yourself, um, not around your teammates anymore that you've been around for the last like two months. Uh, and yeah, so no real big celebrations. We kept in contact with each other through Zoom to see how each other was going as well. And then, yeah, straight out, had all these plans sorted, you know, I was going to see my family, my partner's family and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, that just went out the door with this nationwide lockdown. But, you know, it's better... I'm not complaining, like it's good to be home, good to be in my own bed and at the end of the day if we can, you know, try and squash this over here so it allows us to get back to a bit of more freedom and then, you know, I'm all for it. So what was the experience like because you went to Rio in 2016, what was the difference like because obviously no crowds and stuff? Yeah, so no crowds, um, you're wearing masks pretty much every time you step outside your room uh, and then the dining hall, you know, there's like these um, see-through kind of screens at the hall. Um, you're better, a little bit more cautious, you know, you're not um, going around and like um, talking to everyone or saying hi to everyone, having combos. You're pretty much in the dining hall to eat and straight back out. But other than, you know, just the COVID regulations, it was still another incredible, incredible games to be at. And that probably would have been one of the, it would have been the best games if, you know, COVID didn't exist, I reckon. The Japanese people did such an amazing job with these circumstances and, just to be there playing on an incredible field, an amazing stadium. I could only imagine what that stadium would have been like if it was packed with 50,000, 60,000 people. It looked amazing. And the thing I'm really curious about, I'm going to strip it back slightly. Where did your path in rugby start? Was it an easy one? Did you go straight into it? Or was it something that came a little bit later on in your life? Um, I had my first taste of rugby probably when I was about I think maybe eight or nine years old I was at a uh, primary school and I was playing all different sport and we had a, uh, a rugby team and then I was like so my parents one day I was like oh there's a rugby team at my primary school so I was like Kim can I give it a go and they're like yeah why not um 
And so I was the only girl in uh, the rugby team. Uh, it was all boys. And so that was my first taste of it. It was, it was full contact too, which was pretty cool. Uh, but before that, I actually played league uh, and did lots of different other sports like soccer, um, tennis, swimming. So there's a bunch of other stuff I did, but it wasn't until I started high school. So 13 years old that uh, rugby kind of came back in, into my life. It was before then touch and uh, soccer were my main sports. And so... I did all that and then yeah high school is when it first started and it was a teacher at my sports corner at my school uh, she was a black fern herself um, played sevens and fifteens for New Zealand and she was like you're playing all these other sports why don't you you know give um, rugby a go at our school we had a tennis side team so I was like oh yeah okay why not you know let's let's try this out and see how I go and then I loved it and never looked back really. Was she the one who got you into it? Yeah it was her that got me into it so grateful that she did because who knows you know may not have played rugby <laughs> and was that the catalyst and changing point then which made you think you know if I keep pursuing this I could do what she's done I could go on and play for New Zealand sevens and go to the Olympics and things like that or did that come a little bit later yeah so sevens wasn't even an Olympic sport yet um when I first started playing rugby the dream was to play for the Black Ferns 15s team and so that kind of became more realistic um I always had a dream as a kid you know to go to the Olympics but most of the sports that I kind of decided to play being oval ball code, um, it wasn't in the Olympics, you know? So I was, I was like, okay, well, I'll give rugby um, 15s a go. I'm like, I'm enjoying it. And why not? Went and played club when I was 14 years old, playing against a uh, woman in the open division. And so I was this tiny little thing turning up to training, playing against women two, three times my size. And yeah, it was definitely because of her that I initially made that step into rugby at school and then also club rugby. And then I just fell in love with the sport. A uh, few, you know, fast forward a few years and a uh, few sevens tournaments started popping up and that's, and I started um, having a go at that. And then I was like, wow, I think I've really found my sport here mm. at sevens, you know, just a bit more faster pace, more space, uh, really exciting uh, sport, you know, anything could happen within the 14 minutes. And then I never looked back from then on and continued in the sport of sevens. That's amazing. And early on in your career, I read, you were told no a few times with selection and things like that. So how important was having that energy of being told no in terms of the rest of your career? Yeah, so obviously being a smaller, you know, rugby player, um, I was a lot smaller than I am now when I first started. Um, yeah, many, many times I was told, you know, oh, you're too small to be, to be selected for this team. So I didn't make uh, many provincial or like representative teams in rugby throughout my years, early years, um, just because, yeah, people didn't believe that I was big enough or strong enough really to handle the sport itself. Um, but me, uh, the way I see it, you know, yes, it was something negative, but I kind of used it as motivation, turned it into something positive and used that to, I guess, motivate myself to continue to work hard and to be like, you know what, I'll prove you wrong type thing. And yeah, look where we are now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And is it is that the best way to channel when someone says no to you or you get rejected by something or you have a setback or you fail at something, do you think that's the best way to do it is just put all your energy into proving people wrong and just showing more so yourself that you can do it and that they're incorrect? Yeah, I guess that's something I, I re used, you know, and continue to use as, um, as that motivation. But also, you know, knowing myself and having that self-belief in who I am as a person, as an athlete, I know what I'm capable of and what I can push myself to achieve and do. So having that strong self-belief and confidence in my own abilities is, I think, what truly uh, motivates me 
to push myself to be even better. So yes, uh, there's that intrinsic motivation from those people, you know, saying all these different things about me not being good enough, but it's the self-belief that I have in myself and that internal motivation that really drives me as an athlete. And where does that self-belief and confidence come from, do you think? I think just having an incredible support system around me. Um, yeah. One that has always believed in like believed in me. So I think through my family, my loved ones, my close ones, um, by them believing in me, that grew that, that belief in myself and my self-confidence. And so I think having an, a good support system around you, you know, yes, you'll achieve things uh, potentially on your own or in team sports, but having that incredible support system, you know, it's always crucial to have them there because there are going to be moments, you know, where you are going to stumble. You're going to need someone else other than yourself to give you a bit of guidance or a little bit of motivation to, you know, get back up and go back again and keep fighting. Yeah, and that's great advice. And I want to talk to you a little bit about Rio 2016 when you received the silver medal. Still an amazing accolade, but obviously you wanted gold. What was the focus and the outlook then for the preparation towards Tokyo? Yeah, so we were pretty devastated, as you know, many people saw um, losing that final and coming away with that silver. But you know, at the end of the day, it's still a, a bloody awesome achievement. Yeah. You know, like a silver medal at an Olympic Games. You know. And, First of all, not many people make it to the Olympics and then only a smaller portion actually come away with medals. So what we had done was pretty amazing, but you know, you work so hard and you dream about coming away with that gold medal and that's something that we hadn't quite achieved then. And so after that, yes, it was about winning gold, um, but that was kind of, I guess, the, the end point for us. It was okay. so much more than just winning gold. We wanted to make sure that we got the culture of the team you know where we wanted it to be everyone to a point where everyone would wake up in the morning and love turning up to training every single day yes it's going to be hard you're going to be put through your paces you're going to be smashed at training but you're always waking up and being like you know what I want to turn up and I want to work hard alongside my sisters alongside my teammates my management to do better and for us it wasn't just about that end point of winning gold it was about enjoying that journey and every step along the way and knowing that Yes, the Olympics is here, but it's not the end of our lives if we don't, say, achieve that gold medal. Or even if we do achieve that gold medal, there's always life after the Olympics. Wow, that's so important, isn't it? Just to know your identity. Yes, you're these amazing rugby players, but also your people, more importantly, aren't you? 100%. And that's, uh, I guess that's what's pretty special with our program is we're treated as humans and people first and athletes second. I'm really interested in that, actually, because I've spoken to a lot of athletes and some people have said for them it's all about the end product the end product and often the people who have said it's all about the end product product and getting that result are the most unhappy in my opinion because they didn't actually enjoy the journey along the way they just wanted to get there and then once they were there they thought well what's that so that's a really powerful thing and i think the happiest athletes come from those people who've just enjoyed the journey enjoyed the process along the way has that always been the culture within your environment then um, not necessarily. The first, you know, four years was a bit of a roller coaster for us. We didn't probably have the best team culture. Um, you know, just um, things weren't going right for us. Leading into Rio, we didn't win any, I think, tournaments for, I think, 12 plus months. So, you know, there wasn't, we weren't um, successful off the on the field and things just weren't right on the field either. Like, play uh, as players, we weren't happy. And as you said, you know, when you're not happy, you can't be yourself, you can't express yourself. Yeah. And we found 
through that experience um, that that is something that we didn't want to go back to. That's why that next five years was so crucial in making sure we had an environment where everyone was able to be their true, pure, unique self and not afraid to express who they are on and off the field. And I think that's something that was really strongly led from, by our head coach, um, Alan Bunting. And, you know, we call him the heart of our team and we call Corey Sweeney, our other coach, the, the head. So, you know, heart and head, those two together were incredible and contributed to this team being so successful over the five years. I think we only, you know, were 90-something percent success rate over those five years. And it was driven by those two. Wow. What else do you think makes that winning environment? So you're obviously involved in a world-class team. So what makes a world-class team? You mentioned having the environment to be yourself in. That's a really important thing. And just going out there and have the flair and autonomy to be who you are. What else do you think makes that world-class environment then? I think other than obviously for us, I think the environment, the culture is probably key. But then other than that is you're willing to go to that dark place in training where, you know, not many people are willing to go to and not just for a short time, you know, you know, you're going to go back there many a times and for long periods of times. And so that's something that we, you know, wanted to do whenever we had trainings, we left everything out there. Um, and then just having a really, I guess, smart um, management leadership player group that are all connected and all on the same page everyone's brought into the vision, um, the goals, all that kind of stuff that you've set as a, as a team. And, you know, you go out there, you trust the person next to you because you know, they've done their homework. They've done everything they can on and off the field to be in the best position. And then you've also done that as well. How do you get yourself in that mind frame then? Because I think you're not guaranteed selection. You're obviously a part of the squad, but you're not necessarily guaranteed the selection to go to, you know, Commonwealth Games, Olympics, World Seven Series tournaments. So how do you get yourself in that mind frame to get up every day and work that hard? Because most people go for a job interview and they're done within five, 10 minutes, but yours sometimes is a lengthy process where you get put through it. So how do you get yourself in that mind frame? Yeah, it's a tough one. Like, obviously, when I first started my um, Simmons career, you know, I wasn't the starting halfback. I was you know, coming off the bench and even, you know, in the first few years, there was, um, you know, the, the kid coach at that time even questioned if I was, you know, big enough and strong enough to even be there. And again, I think just having that positive growth mindset where, you know, things may go wrong or you may not get selected, but you're willing just to leave it all out there because you don't want to second guess yourself or, you know, what have what us at the end. And I think that's what it is with this team. We've created an environment where, we can be ourselves, we can go out there and push each other, but we can help each other. We're not afraid to help, you know, the person next to us who potentially could take our position, you know, but we're willing to work with each other to help each other grow and develop. And I think that's what's crucial in a team. It's not just the 12 or 13 that take the field, you know, at a certain tournament, it's the entire squad that grinds and puts all the effort into trainings and all that kind of stuff that makes um, this team and our team so special. Do you have any like non-negotiable behaviours then within the team or is it just everyone buys into it, everyone supports each other and get the best out of each other as individuals and as a team? Yeah, we have a yeah, set of, I guess, I don't know, rules or whatever you could, you could call them. <laughs> like that, like, um, and, you know, it's a fines process as many, you know, teams do. Um, but for us, it's just, you know, like obviously lateness and stuff, we don't tolerate that. That's um, probably one of the main ones um, around just making sure 
you're punctual and respectful to everyone around you when you're turning up for meetings or appointments and stuff like that. So I guess being like our program is not just about being the best rugby player, it's about being the best person you can be as well. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I think that's where it comes from, isn't it? And I think that's so different with the New Zealand environment, especially from what I've seen, is that they develop you as people more than anything. You know, I think some teams have got egos that they call it, and then no one wants to coach certain people because it's the ego thing. But within New Zealand, you're taught to almost be humble and people. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty accurate with, you know, how us as a, a team is, we're about being, you know, good people and that helps and translates to being, you know, a good rugby player at the end of the day. You don't want to be someone that, you know, wins all these formats and at the end of the day, you know, is a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me then, what was the Olympics like this year? We spoke briefly before the recording. Obviously, you didn't have any fans in the stadium or anything like that. So what was the experience of winning gold like? Because I've spoken to Olympians before who have won gold medal. And it's often been half of like loved it. It's been that euphoric feeling and it's been amazing. But then the other half have been like, well, I achieved it. And then it was like, well, what was next? So what was your experience like? It, even though there was no crowd or anything like that, it was still an amazing experience. Like working so hard, thinking that it was only four years that you needed to work for to go to the Olympics, then to being a year added on top, like just getting to the Olympics in the first place, being named in the team, you're like, wow, okay, that's a big step, you know? And then actually being able to take the field um, and play in this incredible stadium, yes, no crowd. So it was a bit funny, like you'd able to hear each other super clearly. <laughs> so being like the halfback I am, you know, I'm constantly talking. So yeah, my teammates definitely heard what was coming out of my mouth and going on out <laughs> on the field. <laughs> but just that moment, I think when we did win that final and that whistle went, it didn't matter like that there was no crowd. It was still such an amazing experience. All these emotions just hit me all at once. And I turned into this blubbering ball of mess crying and having all these emotions <laughs> of like excitement, relief. Like it was just everything hit me just knowing that we had achieved, you know, something that we had set out 10 years ago as a program and also a childhood dream. So winning what you have and doing what you have done how do you define success then? For me, success isn't just about, you know, things that you achieve, such as medals or cups yeah. or games and tournaments. I think success for me is knowing that I've enjoyed every step of the way. I've enjoyed the process and I've enjoyed the people around me, but also the person that I've become grown and developed into. And what does it take then to be the best in the world at something, do you think, within yourself and in terms of the team environment? It's not easy. Like there's yeah. moments, there have been moments, you know, everything's not um, rainbow. <laughs> like there's moments where you do, you do wake up and you're like, damn, I'm going to put myself through this again, the training and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or you may get injured and you'd be out for a period of time. You're like, far out. Can I get myself back um, to where I was before prior to this injuries? Can I get to my best and not peak too early? Like there's so many things as an elite athlete that you go through. And then I guess, yeah, just the, you know, the mental side of thing is probably more so than any physical type of training that you do. You know, you just, there are moments where you're just mentally, and physically drained and you're just like far out can i can i get up can i go for another rep can i do this training and so yeah it's a journey but i think 
knowing your why is probably one of the most important things because that why is what gets you up every single day and it reminds you of you know why you're sacrificing so much why you're putting your body your mind through all these different I guess obstacles along the way and I guess the relevance to that question is you see on social media and you see in places that these amazing athletes like yourself who have achieved these amazing things it looks amazing but sometimes you've got to go through that darkness and those hardships to do it so I want to ask you what's your why then you said about your why and what inspires you and gets you up during the difficult times what's yours mine is my family is probably my main one it's um you know they've been there from the very beginning and have instilled all their love support and belief into me and supported me you know all the way especially you know my siblings who i guess at, at times sacrificed um you know some of their sports or commitments just so that i could you know go to a certain training or something like that to and then which led me to the, get to the point that i am now and just everything they did, you know, from me having to wake up at five, sorry, 4.30 a.m. to go to trainings. I didn't have my license yet. And so my grandparents or my my mum, you know, was taking me to these trainings at that time. And then they were going to work in that. So I think, yeah, just for me, one of my main whys is, is my family because they've just done so much for me. And it's, I guess, from me being able to go out there, work hard and achieve something um for them you know it's kind of my way of saying thank you so much for everything you've given me and you mentioned earlier in the conversation about growth mindset and you alluded to it again then you started your career quite young within sevens i think you went to the rear when you were still like 21 22 i think you were pretty young and you've had to overcome a lot to be there so did that growth mindset start in your teenage years childhood did your family instill that in you or is it something that's just gradually come on as the years have gone on I think I, um, due to playing like elite sport at quite a young age, like I was 16 when I played for the um, Open Women's New Zealand Touch team and went to a World Cup. Um, and so, you know, I was in a, involved in elite sport quite young yeah. and quite early. So I kind of had a, a, you know, a bit of a head start compared to some of my um, fellow teammates or competitors. And I think through those processes and the support of my family and stuff, I think that's, yeah, just something that, I learned quite early on and then just continued to develop across my playing playing years with involved um, mainly in rugby. So for someone listening to this now who wants to know their why or their purpose, they're looking for it, they like these different things, maybe they're someone young, doesn't know what, what sport to pursue or what career to go down, what would your advice be, do you think? Play every single sport, give everything mm. a go because eventually yeah. you'll find the one that fits you. Like I played so many different sports growing up. Um, in high school, I was in about 10 different sports, um, you know, so many different teams. And it wasn't until I was like about 17 that I finally, um, 16, 17, that I actually finally decided to pick one sport and to stick at it. And so whether it be sport, whether it be career, you know, study, all that kind of stuff, don't think you have to specialize so early, you know, give everything a go, try it. And eventually you'll find yourself in a sport or a, a career that you really love and enjoy. And then it's when you create that true love for something, then you know you're in the right place. Just about being curious about all the other things, isn't it? Yeah. And then you can develop so many different skills and, you know, talents along the way. Like, I don't know if I'd be the, uh, as good a goal kicker and restart kicker as I am now if I didn't play soccer, you know, or football. <laughs> yeah, of course. So for someone who is a goal kicker like you, you've got to be so accurate. How hard is it to step away sometimes and not be 
an over perfectionist if that makes sense because uh, you know you look <laughs> at kickers and you've got to be so specific and the margin for error is yeah. so small so how do you marshal that yeah so i think it's just knowing that hey some days it's not going to be on you're not going to be on and just accepting that you know you're going to miss a kick or a goal or you're going to miss a restart and not i guess dwelling on it and getting it stuck in your head because that's just going to make it worse and i think finding a process that really suits you like no kicker is the same everyone's got their own sort of style and so i think finding something that suits you best is the best way to go but yeah knowing early on that you're going to fail and you're mm -hmm. going to fail time and time again but it's through those fails and learnings that you end up becoming a better person athlete rugby player kicker that just translates into life doesn't it it's that mindset of like knowing that just because you fail doesn't mean it's over you know, mm. and it's it's easier said than done, um, obviously, but just knowing that you can still continue to try and try again. Do you think you've got that outlook now because you had the experience of someone telling you no at such a young age? I, I believe so, yes. I think being told, you know, that I, you know, wasn't good enough, strong enough, big enough at an early age, um, that definitely helped uh, my mindset and mm. future things that may have come up in regards to obstacles and for me i've you know i've been quite stubborn in that way if i got told no or you know can't or something <laughs> like that i was like no i'm gonna try i'm gonna do my best <laughs> and you know, see what happens so one last question and i ask this to every guest what is advice that you live by every day it can be advice you've been given advice you've picked up what's something you live by every day probably one of the main ones um would just be it's kind of one of my main values actually is like deeds, not words. And so it's kind of like a, a something that's driven in our family too, um, is you, you know, it's kind of like action speak louder than words type thing. So I can say all these things, but it's through my actions that I do every day, whether it be, you know, I could say to my family, like, Oh, I'm going to call you on zoom, but if I don't, you know, I'm not, well, I'll call you and catch up with you then, but I don't, then, you know, that's not only hurting them, it's hurting my relationship with them. So just mm. anything I do in life, um, you know, there's always actions and I'm willing to, you know, live that way through my actions and be judged on my actions. Love that. Great advice. Thank you for coming on today. It's been amazing to speak to you. And yeah, thank you for your time. I'm sure this is going to inspire a lot of people. No worries. Thanks so much. <laughs>